This is ASI episode 21. My name is Rush Shaw. I'm not a spaceman, but on the other hand. Kicking off the show today with a heavy heart as it is the same day as a mass murder shooting, another one in my country. And what do you say about evil, all right? How a person defines evil behind their eyes is so incredibly important. You know, I I can't make sense of it all. I don't have all the answers. But I am going to put my two cents in the hat during this episode. Truth be told, the problem of evil is something that's been hotly debated in my country, in philosophy departments, in colleges and universities, throughout the world, really. Here's some more uh, bumper music for you. Check this out. is called Project 86. A bumper for you from uh, the Project 86 guys. Thought that song was appropriate for talking about the topic today and I uh, I share this topic with you with a heavy heart. Um, I just felt real led to do this. I, I have another show that I that I actually will, will upload next week. Um but just some news that came out and uh, just uh, talking about the topic of evil and defining that because in my country and in a lot of the western world we seem to have a real problem with evil we don't even know how to define it as a culture um, last night was the, uh, the debut of the new Batman film uh, Dark Knight, right, rises, and uh, it's a PG-13 film. I, this happens a lot in my country where on Thursday night, which is be Friday morning when the movie releases, they'll have these release parties for a film that's popular that people like. Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite directors. I've been looking forward to seeing this film myself. Um, and some 
evil, twisted person walks into a, a, a theater um, armed to the hilt and and starts opening fire on, on people, right? He throws in a thing of tear gas and he just starts just starts shooting people. If you've, I'm sure you've probably heard the story if, if you've heard lived here in the United States and even throughout the Western world. I'm, this has been national, international breaking news. But the sad thing, since 1999, this is there's been more than 20 incidences of this kind of, of sick, twisted, um, mass murder violence. Cafe Racer is a little uh, cafe, coffee shop in my city in Seattle. Just a few months ago, some dude, mental illness with this guy... He walks in and, and, he, and he guns down a bunch of people just in Cafe Racer, just this little coffee shop. Kills five people, injures a bunch more. And yes, I know that these are isolated cases. And you'll, you'll ask yourself, well, what does this have to do with sexual integrity, Russ? Um, the people, the guy that did this last shooting, as more and more details start to emerge about this guy, James Holmes... The more shocking it is, and the more it breaks a lot of these preconceived ideas of a mass murderer. This guy was not mentally ill, as far as they can tell, right? I mean, he was a college grad student. He, he took neuroscience, right? He had no prior um, criminal history besides a speeding ticket. Something I've noticed about sexual addicts is a lot of them slash us, right? You know, we look pretty good on the outside. Look like we got things together on the outside. Yet there's this dark, like, appetite for destruction under the surface that may or may not be beyond our control. Right? I mean, that's the thing about addiction is that you, you're doing something you do not want to do. You don't like that you want to do these things, but you end up doing them anyway. Sexual addicts, man, I get that. I've been there. I've been the guy going, why do I keep doing this over and over? What is wrong? I don't want to be this person. And in our country, man, there's just this, there, there's something broken about the study of the individual, if we, we break it down to just average, everyday, ordinary folks, there's something broken in us, all right? And, and yeah, that's biblical. The Bible talks about that we're all sinful creatures. But as a culture, man, we, we just don't get that. There's just so much, I, I don't know, man. You try and put your finger on one reason why, you know, 20 instances of mass murder, for example, in our country, people want answers. And the first thing in my country we seem to do is to start the blame throwing around, right? Start pointing the finger at blame and you'll hear people start out with, right, the movies. Oh, well, it's these dark movies, violent movies, and, you know, and this movie was rated uh, PG-13, by the way. Um, or violent video games. It's it's the it's the violence in the arts that all these people are going to see this, and it's no wonder that. No, that's not it. All right. And if you're a Christian saying stuff like that, I mean, come on. The Bible is a very violent book. 
There's been a lot of bloodshed and blood on the hands of people who read the Bible, didn't understand it, went out and did that stuff, all right? More than movies. So, knock it off. I mean, that's just blame-shifting BS that's not helping anybody. And then we got the gun control people who are going to come out and they're going to blame guns. It's guns' fault, Russ. It's the guns. That's the problem. Like guns randomly fly around shooting people. That's not what happens. That's not what it is. We need, maybe, we need more laws. All right? Bad guys don't obey laws. That's part of the point. All right? The bad guys aren't going to obey all the laws to get the guns. If somebody's got evil in their heart and they want to carry out evil so bad that they'll go do something like this, some laws are not going to stand in their way. They'll break those laws. And, you know, some of this goes to a lot of our upbringing sociologically and being raised by psychologists who go into schools and tell all the kids that you're just a, you're just a perfect little snowflake, you know? They broke the mold when they made you. You're just awesome. You're just, you know, build self-esteem seems to be the number one kind of message that we give to children. And yes, there's some good in that, but based on what, right? I think self-image is where I've, you know, I've moved away from using this word self-esteem into self-image because if I'm honest, you know, in my own story, I had a really low self-image and high self-esteem. I had a psychologist would come in, didn't speak to my heart, that kind of spoke to that surface level part of me and said, look how awesome you are, Russ. Look how great you are. Look how much of a special boy you are. So I started feeling better about myself, but underneath the surface in my own heart, I had a pretty dark self-image, a low self-image of myself. But I had a lot of confidence. I could make people laugh. I could draw people's attention. So the way I was esteemed as a young man was to stop looking at the pain that was inside my soul and was to, you know, pump up all the good works that I could do because of my talents, gifts, and abilities. And I'll tell you something, I'm not the best looking cat around, all right? But I'm very good with people. I'm very good with persuading people. And it was one of my gifts, I guess, that I can lead people, right? So I had over 20, over 20 different promiscuous sexual encounters before I was, you know, 18. And it was more than encounters. That's how many different people I was with. And, I, and I'm ashamed to tell you that, alright? I'm not trying to toot my horn here. I was this, this sexual predator kid in, in high school preying on other young adolescent women trying to be liked and, and loved in the world and, and I, I, I would sell them. I, I, I was... It was horrible what I did. Totally addicted to porn. My esteem was attached to the things that I could do, that I could perform well at. And because I was told I was this, you know, pure white snowflake, that I must be able to make up my own rules and be my own authority. I'm the authority, I make the decisions, and if something else comes in and somehow pollutes the pure white snowflake that is me, then that thing needs to be the enemy. This was my sin, you know. And But we don't like that word. In our culture, we, we 
don't think that people sin, right? That's going to hurt someone's self-esteem. We don't want to use that word. See, if you do bad, feeling bad should be a natural part of doing what you ought not do, all right? If you don't feel bad for doing bad, we have a word for that. It's called being a sociopath or a psychopath, all right? So we look for causes to the effect, right? Well, Russ is a sexual assault victim, so you can't blame him. It's not his fault, you know, stuff like that. Well, there's pornography on the internet. Just watch TV nowadays. You got HBO, you know, you got those images and how are kids supposed to... We just blame everything instead of looking at the individual who's got hurt, pain, and evil in their soul that needs to change, right? The, the religious word is repentance. God calls us to repentance. That's a good thing because he loves us. He wants to heal that. Well, if God loves us, Russ, why does this horrible thing happen? Why does something like that happen? Listen, I don't know why evil stuff happens, but I do know that God didn't make robots. If he forced us to love him in the definition, it would not be love. We'd be programmed creatures. Why did, was this guy allowed to shed so much blood? I don't know. All right? But I do know that God does hurt for the victims of these kinds of crimes. I know that Jesus, I mean the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus weeps. All right, it hurts the heart of God when tragedy like this happens. God isn't in pleasure seeing this kind of pain and there is a hell because God is just. All right? And he does protect us. I mean, for decades and decades and decades, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, have gone to see movies every weekend, you know, and, and something like this happens and we point the finger and blame God, right? What about, what about all the protected people for decades that weren't hurt watching movies? It's like the plane, right? The whole plane analogy. One plane falls out of the sky and we blame God while hundreds of thousands of flights take off and land without any problem at all every single day. God is not to blame. We do need to look at our own hearts though. I'll tell you what, man. It is epidemic in this country to not just blame others blame others or blame things for the cause of evil in in our definition of evil it's always something else's fault or someone else's fault even blaming god is an erroneous way to solve the dissonance with the problem of evil in the human heart i heard this story in the news which was a great example of what i'm talking about these two religious guys, one's a Christian pastor and the other one's a Muslim imam, right? And they get together and they write these letters to major hotel operators asking them to stop putting pornography in their rooms, right? Like it's, it's way too big a temptation for people. So they were asking these big corporations to stop letting um, there be pay-per-view pornography on their TVs in their hotel rooms. And, you know, I struggle with that because I guess, yeah, it's a, it's a noble thing to ask for, 
But at the same time, uh, should we remove all the mini bars too? Right? I mean, there's some people that are addicted to the television. Should we stop with the television? Should we ask them to not serve um, high cholesterol, high fatty foods while we're at it? That whole argument is intellectually bankrupt. Uh, the new one is uh, allergy, right? <laughs> Just, you have an allergy to alcohol. You're allergic to alcohol. See, see what it's doing? Again, it's removing personal responsibility from the equation. See, the problem is in the heart. It's the heart that's diseased, you know? Alcohol, for example, calling alcoholism a disease doesn't go to the root of the problem. Does the alcoholic have a disease? Yes. Is alcohol his disease? No, it's not. It's a symptom. It's something he reaches for to treat the disease that's in his heart, but it's not a disease in and of itself. I don't go down to 7-Eleven, for example, and buy a, a fifth or a half case of influenza. That's ridiculous. Philosophically, it doesn't make any sense. That whole argument is intellectually bankrupt. The new one is uh, allergy, right? <laughs> Just, you have an allergy to alcohol. You're allergic to alcohol. See, see what it's doing? Again, it's removing personal responsibility from the equation. See, it's this subtle solving the dissonance of the problem of evil with a don't blame me, it's not my fault kind of mentality. And I'm telling you, it is toxic thinking like that. It's like the devil running interference in the psychological community as well as in the media with a big message of it's not your fault, you know? Listen, the problem of evil starts by looking in the mirror, all right? That's the big problem. It's behind our eyes. We are born into it. I love David, man, in the Psalms. He had a great identifier of the problem of evil in the fact that it existed behind his own eyes, and he knew that. He'd say things that, from my own mother's womb, I was born into iniquity, you know? Problem of evil started right there, man. Any of you who have small children, or you know someone who has small children, just spend some time with some two-year-olds, all right? You'll see it. I'll use some kind of a tool to smack their brother or sister or playmate and say things like mine and snatch it from them. I mean, it's, it's in us. It's part of our DNA, man. We're born in these fleshy bodies that have appetites that crave. It's not the hotel owner's fault. See, blame is like crack cocaine for the judgmental heart, right? It's a way to deflect pain, discomfort, and even deep emotional tragedy. And people will say, yeah, I lost a loved one that day in that theater, and it's that guy's fault. And you're right, it is that guy's fault. But ultimately, it goes to the point of evil. This guy had unbridled evil running through his spirit that just went unchecked. It's the same thing that goes through the sex addict when he cheats on his wife. When he decides to scapegoat her or demonize her as a way of reasoning our own evil, okay? Me cheating on my wife, that was evil. 
I had to realize I'm not a wonderful snowflake, that I do sin, and I had to repent of my sin. I had to own up to it. The Bible says that in the spiritual realm, you know, in this world that, you know, films like uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know, that story that goes all the way back to the 1800s and the Matrix, Inception, you know, this world that we don't see on the surface. In that very real spiritual world, angels and, and serpents, right, where the, where the angels and serpents dance, as the song would say by P.O.D., in this very real world, there are angels and there are demons. And when one sinner comes to repentance, the Bible says, angels rejoice, right? They, they, they explode in celebration. It, it would be like you and I went to the same college and our team scored the winning point in the final buzzer beater swish. The crowd goes wild. That's what happens in the spiritual realm when one human being identifies that evil in their soul and decides to turn from it. Decides to turn from it, right? Repentance, man, it is such an important word. I mean, the study in psychology and some of this uh, new science on the, the temporal lobe, right, on the, the deep brain, and they're finding that, yeah, we have self-talk that affects the way we feel, you know. This is some of this research with uh, treating people with depression. And can I tell you something? Sexual addiction, sex addicts are very angry people, and you can identify it in some of your self-talk. I did this recently. I'm at the grocery store, and, and the gal at the deli department is, there's like three people standing back there, and they're just kind of talking and chatting, and something's going on, and they're not paying attention to me, right? You know why you get angry? You know why that anger, I can feel it rising up in me, in my flesh, right? And then that self-talk starts wonder what they're talking about. Don't they know they have a customer over here? Right? Rises up. I hear it. You know what? I'm not the point. Maybe there's something more important in the world than me. I don't know what they're talking about. It could be something important. I don't know. I'm standing there being the judge. Do you do that? When somebody cuts you off in traffic, you know why people explode and go into road rage? Because they think that, that the road is theirs, that they are the king, you know, they sit on the throne in their car behind their steering wheel and everybody should bend everything and stop everything to drive according to their rules and laws and if they don't, anger rises up and there's hell to pay. Alright? This is evil in the hearts of men. And it's habitual, man. But there is hope. And I want to touch on that as I close out this show. Because people have said that, right? Like, there's this dissonance in the recovery world that says, all right, you have a bad habit, Russ. You were a sex addict, and that was a very strong, habitual thing, right? I had the, you know, the adrenaline tied to it. I had the, the sexual, right, desire running through. I was very stubbornly addicted. So there is something in recovery, like in the first step of the 12 steps, right, that says... My behavior controls me and I don't control it. And I need help, right? My life is unmanageable. So first of all, there is, there is, and, and this is so important, and that's part of repentance, isn't it? Realizing our lives are unmanageable. Realizing that sin is ruling us and we're not ruling it.
But it sounds like in saying that, and in some of these 12-step groups, it starts to go the way of, I'm not responsible. No, that's not true. You're missing the whole point. The point is that you are responsible. You are responsible. And admitting that you have a problem, that you are a sinner who needs to change, who needs to repent, right, is the first step, right? It's that, it's that repentance. It's where the, the angels rejoice and, 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 oh my God, they're just so excited to see us reach for God, right? So the first part is that, yes, we are powerless, over our habits, over our addictions. As a sex addict, you need help. And that's why you're looking for a savior. All right, and that's the second part. Yes, we need help. And the problem is, the sin is, when we go to get help, which savior are we gonna reach for? Which savior are we gonna reach for? Because there's a ton of people that go into recovery for alcoholism, for drug abuse, and they just addiction swap. Why? Wrong savior. So I'm gonna leave this show with a question. How do you solve the problem of evil behind your eyes? Not for everybody else, but for you behind your eyes. The evil that exists in your own heart. You're going to start with the man in the mirror, right? Even the guy that wrote that song didn't get it, okay? I pray that you start with Jesus Christ. I pray that you start with a real Savior. I pray that you start with the fact that you need a Savior. And all of these attempts to save yourself, whether it's by, you know, religion or good works or trying better pray that you reach for a real savior. I pray that you don't fall for the quick fix that the world will shove in your face time and time again to blame. Blame this, blame that, stick a label on that and a label on this. Even the insane person, right? I heard this story. I'll, I'll leave you with this. I heard this story of a guy, schizophrenic, bipolar, and this guy, right, knew his weakness. He's like, I gotta stay on my meds, man. I've gotta do that because I know my weakness and I know what I'm capable of if I don't. Even, even the insane person can repent. I pray that you don't fall for the quick fix of the blame game. And I pray that we all and listen, I'm going to say something right out of the gate here. Can we be in prayer for the victims' families? All right? Those of you who believe, those of you who have spiritual background, right? I, I, oh, can we please pray for the victims' families? Sometime, carve out some time to get alone with God and just pray for the hurting people that, that had to go through that, that lost loved ones because of that. All right? This is a somber day in my country. Even the politicians in the state of Colorado today have chosen to pull the negative campaign ad from all the TV channels. This is, blows my mind a little bit, right? Our, our, we're such a surfacy, catty culture 
Lord Jesus, I pray, is there any hope for us? Just hearing that, you would think that in their own minds they would see some of the problems with us politically, right? It's like this battle between two men who are pointing the finger at each other, saying, I'm a better savior than that guy. Both of them blind to their own iniquity, their own humanity, the fact that they do make mistakes and they are not perfect. And listen, I pray that when you hear me say, don't play the blame game, that that means you just let evil happen. All right, that's not what I'm saying either. Someone you know is, is victimizing you or planning to do evil to someone else. Part of this is that we say something, right? We fight against that. All right. I, I'm not going to end the show with uh, a man in the mirror. Okay. I thought about it, but no. Man in a mirror is a horrible, horrible savior, right? Even the fact that we would look in the mirror and repent and make a change is a gift that God gives us. You know, It's a courageous act. Whether you're standing against the evil in someone else or you're standing against the evil behind your own eyes. And that's where it starts, right? It starts with... Uh, courage starts behind our eyes. But the way that we get that courage, the way that we muster up the courage to even go to make the first step, right? To go into recovery, to, to make the decisions, to do the do's. starts with a prayer. It starts with us reaching for the Savior, right? It, it, Jesus is, is calling out us, right? I mean, it's this, this language the, of the Bible that, that God is after us, that God is chasing us, that God is wooing us to him. He, he's after you. And I know I've played this song before. I'm going to end out the show with this song. Yes, I've played it before, but it's so poignant to, to this topic that we all do have evil in our hearts. We are powerless over it, but we are responsible for it. All right. The powerlessness that you have in your addiction is a snapshot in time. It may be part of your identity now, but it will and it can change. It's either going to get darker by not fighting it, or it will go away completely when you find a new savior that's not yourself, that's not religion, that's not scapegoating, right? Again, Savior, that's the song I'm going to end out with. I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys. Keep me in your prayers. Again, I, wherever you are listening to this in the realm of time, even if it's three years from the incident, um, be in prayer for the families of, of the victims that, that were lost today in that horrible, tragic theater shoot. And listen, give your family a hug, okay? If you got kids in your family, if you've got a loved one, right, your wife, your husband, give them a big hug. Tell them that you love them. Right? Actually say that. I love you. How about a little exercise in gratitude in doing that, right? Because there's other people that do not have that luxury today. Love you guys. Till next time. Bye.
sound the 